Um, you ready? Sure. Okay. Rich is going to come up. We've got a new adult Sunday school starting in on the 26th of January. So um, Rich is going to uh, talk about that for just a moment. I am excited. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, we last year, yeah, last year now, we did the book of Acts. Okay, and we started from the first chapter and went all the way through to the end, and we and we looked at the historical importance of it. We looked at what was going on in the church, and we looked at how God moved amongst His people, and we got to know people like Peter and Paul a lot better than we had before. And this next time, I, I kind of chickened out. Everybody wanted me to do Romans, and I'm going to skip ahead to Corinthians, First Corinthians. Okay, so. Starting on the 26th, we'll have a class uh, Sunday morning. What was it? Nine, nine o'clock. Yeah, nine o'clock. <laughs> it'll be in the it'll be in the back room back there, around the corner, and down the hallway. Okay, so you got to go through these doors and back. Okay, and that's where we'll be, and we'll be talking about First Corinthians, and we'll do a lot of we'll do some historical background, and we'll look at the scripture and what it means. Okay, and I got to tell you that before I did Acts. I was kind of accent. I got so excited about it. It was great, okay. And I think you maybe talk to Sally and Fran and who else was there? Uh, Terry and Donna. Uh, some of the folks that came, right? My wife, but then you know she'll tell you everything's great because she's my wife. <laughs> but uh, talk to the folks, and I encourage you to come. It was a, it was a wonderful, blessed time. And we just learned so much and got, and I hope the intent is to get closer to God. Thank you. Thank you, Rich. Glad we got the time cleared up for you. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but we're starting this series this, this uh, month and called I Love My Church. And hopefully most of you can say that you do. Love your church. Um, I've been trying to get as many of you as I can to volunteer to do a short little video. Um, and I still would love to have you come do that. Uh, just to talk 30 seconds, a minute, whatever, about why you love your church. Um, now I want to show you one this week. We're going to try to show these periodically. And I, I, I would love to have more to show. But uh, we do have one. We actually have two, so, but you're going to look at one this week. So this is the first one of these. Hi, my name is Mike Cotta, and I'm here to answer the question, why do I love my church? Um, I've been a member here since probably 2013 or 14. I've been coming since... 2011 and I love Harmony because the, the messages are great, the teachings are great, um, there's a real sense of community that I've found here, friends, um, you know my wife enjoyed always coming here, love the music and it's a safe haven to come and worship as you feel led, to listen to scripture, to just basically be with God 
you know, not just on Sunday, but pretty much every day of the week, which is how things should be. So I guess in closing, you know, it's the, it's the other family I've found, the community that I've been searching for, good friends that I've got, um, good teachings. I've grown closer to God and I've found a purpose, which I think is important for everybody. And that's pretty much it, so thank you. turn it there. So I just want to clarify something. Mike, did you receive any compensation for saying how good the messages were? Okay, good. <laughs> just wanted to clear that up. So we're starting this series, I, I Love My Church, and we've got, um, there'll be four of these, and uh, the first one that we're going to talk about today, as you saw in the initial slide, is, uh, is about vision, okay, about what, what is our vision. And, you know, this message, we, as a staff, we sort of talked about this and uh, wanting to do this series here at the first of the year. So it's been several months, I think, that we at least, uh, Chip actually kind of came up with the concept for this. And um, so it's been on the books for a while, but it really wasn't until this week that I saw that there, there, there was this prophetic element to this message. Now, of course, it's 2020 now, right? So when you look at 2020, what do you see? You might think of that there's a lot of symmetry there, right? The two halves, so it's a very symmetrical year this year, 2020. Uh, I've heard some refer to it from a, um, a Christian or a church standpoint that it's a year of doubling, right? Which would be wonderful. Um, you might just look at it and think, well, that's an even number. Would be a very basic understanding of it. But when I looked at it, it was like all of a sudden, it was just this week when I was working on the message, it all of a sudden dawned on me that if you put a slash mark in the middle of it, it's the standard way of signifying perfect vision. And so um, even the year we're in speaks of vision, which I think makes the message th this morning that much more appropriate. Um, now, the fact that uh, vision is important, not only for an individual, but for a church or an organization, I don't think there's really any doubt about it. That's been around for quite a while. There's uh, found some quotes here that I thought were interesting. This is P.K. Bernard. He says, a man without a vision is a man without a future. A man without a future will always return to his past. And this one I thought was also, this is uh, Coletti Keith, who's a pastor and author, and he said, a knife cuts because it has a narrow focus. It's got a vision of what it's supposed to do, right? Um, there was one that I saw that I didn't put it up here, but I thought it was kind of funny. It's Larry Randolph, who some of you may know. Um, and uh, it wasn't necessarily right with vision, but it's a, I think it's an interesting quote. He says, when God predetermined our destiny, he factored in our stupidity. <laughs> Therefore, there's always enough time to finish. And I thought, okay, I like that, I like that. And of course, the Bible has something to say about vision, right? We wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be doing this if it didn't. And so if we look at Proverbs 29 to 18, 
first of all, in the ESV, it says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. And then uh, a translation that I've been looking at recently that I've really, uh, I'm coming to enjoy is called The Voice. And um, The Voice put it this way, when there is no vision from God, the people run wild, but those who adhere to God's instruction know genuine happiness. Okay, now the voice is kind of a transliteration, so it's not something we would necessarily do a lot of exegesis on, but sometimes those types of translations can really put things in a language that makes more sense to us uh, than something that is translated word for word from Greek or Hebrew. But regardless of where you, what you're looking at, what exactly is this verse saying? I think is the question we've got to answer. And, I, and there's, I believe, a couple of ways that you can look at this verse. All right? The first one um, is to sort of look at it and understand that the Hebrew word for vision uh, is one that is consistently used throughout Scripture to refer to the prophets receiving a revelation from God. Okay, So when this vision, that's the context or that's the way that it is used. And, and so essentially... What it's saying is that when people have, they do not have that revealed word from God, that they just cast off restraint, that there's nothing to guide them, right? There's nothing to sort of explain or, or help them understand what's right and what's wrong. And uh, again, in Hebrew, the word that's used for this casting off of restraint means essentially to let loose or let, let one's hair down. And it's the same word that was used to describe the people when they were running around the golden calf that they made in the desert when Moses went up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. And it's actually one of my favorite stories in the Bible, primarily because um, when Moses comes back and he sees the golden calf, he asks his brother, where'd this come from? And Aaron's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Aaron, who actually made the thing, is like now, like, well, hey, it just showed up. So, anyway, uh, and so the contrast to this is the person who keeps God's law is going to be blessed, right? Um, and so I think if we were to look at this in a modern context, essentially what is it saying to us today, I think it basically is saying what we all mostly already know, and that is we're supposed to read our Bible, and we're supposed to do what it says, right? That's kind of the basic, I think, message of that particular proverb. Now, um, because essentially the Bible is our revelation from God now, right? We don't have prophets that are going around getting, you know, more messages from God, at least none that elevate to the level of Scripture, okay? Let's be clear about that. We don't, we're not adding to Scripture. We're not taking away from Scripture. That's what we have. That is our revelation from God. And I think we, if we thought about it, we could all list a lot of examples of people who aren't paying attention to that and who are essentially running wild, you know, whose lives don't reflect uh, a belief in what God says and, and, and what they are supposed to do. But I think in this case, there, and, and this is the case often with Scripture, there's different ways of looking at, at some of these verses. And I think another interpretation of this is possible. And it's in this one where it sort of emphasizes the importance of vision as we think about vision today, all right? And so it's essentially saying that where, when there is no clear and inspired vision for following God's plans, 
and no bold teaching of God's purposes and standards, then God's people are likely to lose their spiritual passions and their convictions. And sometimes they lose moral self-control as well. So God's people have got to be constantly encouraged to follow his revealed purposes as it's expressed in the word. Right? And if they don't do this, then, well, what happens? You begin to conform to worldly beliefs, to worldly behaviors, to worldly lifestyles, and then ultimately to fail to do what God has instructed us to do. And so it's essentially from this second interpretation that I want to speak about today. And um, since we're in this series on I Love My Church, a big part of loving your church is knowing what it believes, what it stands for, and where it's headed. Right? So some of, for some of you, this might be a review. For others, it might be new. So let's take a look. First thing that I think we need to talk about is what is the purpose of our church. And purpose, as it's defined, says that it is the reason for which something exists or is done, made, or used. So that's what a purpose is, right? It's the, it's the reason for existing. And, and our purpose is very simple. Harmony Vineyard Church exists for God's glory and God's mission. Okay? Now that is not mine. That is a quote, actually, from a gentleman named Ed Stetzer, Dr. Ed Stetzer. Um, and we've looked at some of his materials as a staff. But I think it sums up pretty succinctly what the purpose of a church ought to be. Um, and see, if we don't start here, if we don't start with what the purpose of the church is, then all too often we have a tendency to fall into a belief that the church is about us. And if we don't have a correct understanding of, what the, of why a church exists, then the vision and the mission and all the rest of it are going to be doomed from the very beginning. See, the church isn't about us. It's about God. It's about glorifying God, and it's about doing what he told us to do, about fulfilling his mission. That's the purpose for the church. If that's not the purpose of the church, then we might as well be an Elks Club. <laughs> or a Moose Club, it could be either. Um, so anyway, so the reason for our being is to bring God's glory and to achieve God's mission. So that's where we start from. That's our purpose. Okay, now with that as a backdrop, we can move into what our vision is. And what is vision? So vision is essentially the act or power of anticipating that which will or may come to be. All right. So a vision is something that we're seeing off in the future. A lot of times in business meetings, I used to hear vision described as sort of the ultimate. And, and vision is typically something that you will never actually achieve. It's a goal that is always out in front of you, that you're always reaching for, striving for, trying to get to, but that you never actually fully get there, right? So it's got to be that kind of a big thing. Um, you know, vision wouldn't be to get through the end of the day and still be alive. It's not a vision. That's a goal. <laughs> Might be a task, but it's not a vision, 
right? So here's the way we have expressed our vision. We have this on signs around the church, but nonetheless, here's what our vision statement says. Harmony Vineyard Church is a dynamic, spirit-filled, multi-ethnic church numbering in the hundreds, impacting the town of Ashland and beyond through unconditional love, acts of service, and the full expression of every spiritual gift. Okay, that's a mouthful. I will agree. So let's break this down a little bit and kind of understand a little bit better what we're saying here, all right? Um, and remember, as I said, vision is forward-looking. Vision is not describing a present reality. Vision is describing a desired future, all right? So if some of the things in there look a little odd, that's because we're not there yet. But it doesn't mean that's not where we want to go, okay? So let's break it down and look at this a little bit. So the first would be dynamic and spirit-filled. Now this means that our church should have an energy that can be felt when somebody walks in. How many people believe that they have probably been in a dead church at one time or another? Okay, so it looks like most people sort of understand what that is. That's not the feeling that we want people to have when they come in here. Right? And the energy that we want them to feel comes from two sources. It comes from the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit and Jesus in our church, and an atmosphere of praise that is generated by a people who truly want to praise God. I ran across this uh, a short clip of, of Pastor Jensen Franklin, and he expresses this in a way uh, that's far better than I ever could. Now, you may or may not like Jensen Franklin. That's sort of immaterial because I think what he says is what I want you to get from this, okay? My heart's desire is that my children and my grandchildren not be raised in a dead church. As long as I've got strength, there's going to be some tongue talking. As long as I've got strength, there's going to be some shouting. As long as I've got strength, there's going to be some glory to God. Hallelujah. If they're not embarrassed to cut up in a club, I'm not embarrassed to shout and praise God on a Sunday morning, on national TV, all around the world. He's the best thing that ever happened to me. I will bless the Lord for the rest of my life. And if you like it, you better do it. If you want a lukewarm church, just sit there. But if you want a church where God is moving, then become a praising church. Hallelujah! All right, I wish some days that I could preach like that. Okay? But that's not me, you know, and you all would know it's not me. As soon as I started, you all would be going, that's fake. Because <laughs> that's, that's who he is and that's who I am. But, the, but I've, what I can do is when I have to preach like that, I can find someone to do it, <laughs> right? And so that really expresses what I think dynamic and spirit-filled ought to look like. Okay? Now, we're, this is part of our vision that I, I see some progress in. We're, we're slowly but surely kind of getting this into focus. Uh, we're making progress. We still have a ways to go. We did good this morning. You're, you're right. You're right. But we need to do better, right? There's always room for improvement, okay? So that's, that's part one. The next part, 
says that, uh, that we, we want to be multi-ethnic. Now, I've quoted this probably several times before, but I would say in the neighborhood of 50 years ago, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. made the statement that Sunday morning at 11 a.m. is the most segregated hour in America. Now, socially, we've become much more integrated in schools, in the military, in businesses. But see, in places where we worship, segregation still seems to be the norm. And that's unfortunate because the first church, the first Christian church, was known for its diversity. Jews, Gentiles, Greeks mingled alongside women and slaves. And that was unusual for its time because the Roman society that was the dominant culture at that time was characterized by these rigid ethnic and class distinctions. Okay, so this was something that was just totally new. And a lot of biblical scholars have long maintained that one of the reasons that the early church grew so fast was because of its diversity. That appealed to people. They sort of knew that's the way things were supposed to look. Now, I, you know, most of you know I did my doctoral dissertation on this subject. So I understand what the reasons are why we aren't that way. Why this is hard. Okay but I still believe that a church is stronger, healthier, and more vibrant when it is made up of people of diverse backgrounds and cultures. And we will continue to pursue this as part of our vision. Okay? All right, the one that makes everybody laugh is this one. Now, as I said, vision is about that which will come to be. Now, we could put numbering in the tens there. And that wouldn't be much of a vision, would it? So, this is the goal. This is what we're trying to be. And I think becoming a church of hundreds, what that means to me is that we are making disciples which we're going to soon see is pretty much our primary mission. Okay? So it means that we're out there making disciples, but it also means that by having numbers like that, we will have the financial resources to be able to really further bless the community and reach the least, the lost, and the unloved who live there. And so that's why this is important. For those two reasons, I think. Next, we have impacting the town of Ashland and beyond. Now, this part of the vision really gives us our where. Where are we going to do this? But I think perhaps a more important word in this little snippet is not the where, but it's the word impacting. See, to, to have an impact means to have influence or effect on something, or in our case, somewhere. And I think we all need to be asking this question. If Harmony Vineyard Church went away tomorrow, would anyone outside of the people who worship here miss it? No. That's the answer that we would have to honestly give today. No. That's sad. And unfortunately, I think that's the case for many, many churches. 
But that's not our vision. Our vision is that we would truly have an impact and that if we went away, it would leave hundreds of people without certain types of resources and and a certain place to go uh, for whatever it is. I mean, I still think about hearing Rich Nathan speak years ago at a vineyard conference. And what the picture that he painted was one that I have always held on to, even if we haven't really been able to achieve it. But what he talked about was that when someone goes to social services right up Route 1 and says, I need help with this, and the social services people say, well, that isn't something that we can help you with. However, there's a church called Harmony Vineyard that you can go to who can help you with that. So the city government, the the county government are pointing people to us because we have a reputation of being able to help them for whatever the situation may be. That's impacting the community that you're in. That's where we need to be. It's not going to happen overnight, you know. And again, that's part of the reason for wanting to, to spread the gospel and to, in, and to encourage growth so that we then have not only the, f- the financial resources, but the physical resources to do these kinds of things as well. So the fact that we answer that question no means we have some work to do. We have some work to do. And then the last part says, through unconditional love, acts of service, and the full expression of every spiritual gift. Well, unconditional love is, or at least it should be, the defining characteristic of every Christian. Remember what Paul said to the Corinthians, which you're all going to study in in, uh, Rich's class here in a couple of weeks. The beginning of chapter 13, what he says is that if we don't have it, then we are what? Nothing. Nothing. He first says clanging gong or noisy cymbal, but then eventually he comes around and he says nothing, as in zero. So if we don't have this kind of love, then there's no point in doing this. Once again, we're the Elks Club. Secondly, it's about serving others. And I really think that that's sort of the second defining characteristic of a Christian. And and I think Jesus vividly demonstrates this right before his crucifixion when he washed his disciples' feet. Because not only did he do that against some of their protests, but what did he tell them when he was finished? Now go and do likewise. Did he just mean going around washing everybody else's feet? No, he meant serving others. Putting yourself in a... And and what bothered the disciples was, here was their rabbi, essentially, lowering himself to a position of a slave or a servant, the lowest of servants, because in that culture, the very lowest of the slaves or servants were the ones that had to wash people's feet. It was the nastiest job you could have, because they wore sandals, and there was some not-so-good stuff on the streets. We'll just leave it at that. So suffice it to say, it was not a good job to have. But what Jesus was saying is, that's the kind of job that we need to be willing to do. 
And then finally, spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are the tools that we've been given to help accomplish all this. It's how we can really have that kind of maximum impact on our community. And the thing about this, and it was written this way on purpose, the full expression of every spiritual gift. What does that really say? What that says is, I can't do it by myself. Pam can't do it by herself. Because neither one of us have the full expression of every spiritual gift in us. That's why it takes everybody. Because you have a gift that I don't have. And I have a gift that, that somebody else doesn't have. And it's only when we apply all those things together that we can have the kind of impact that this church needs to have. Make sense? Okay. So then, what's a mission? We'll look at this, the rest of this just briefly. Mission is an important goal or a purpose that's accompanied by a strong conviction. And I would say that from a general standpoint, our church's mission isn't that different from pretty much any other church. Because Jesus is the one who gave us the mission. He said, that go therefore and make disciples. That's the mission. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. So making disciples... And, 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 well, making disciples includes more than just winning someone over for, to Christ. This is the lesson that Willow Creek Church and Pastor Bill Hybels learned. Wasn't enough to just get people in the door and keep them coming back. What they realized, because Willow Creek Church was probably the very first of the so-called seeker-friendly churches. The ones that really tried to present a service that would attract people, right? It was maybe a little light on some of the teaching, good music and skits, and things that were, would appeal to folks that maybe didn't like what they considered a traditional church. But what they found out when they looked back after 10 or more years was they really, they had brought people into the doors of the church, but they really hadn't made any disciples. I shouldn't say any, but many of those people weren't really any further along in their spiritual maturity than they were when they walked in. They, it felt good to go. They liked it. But did they know Jesus any better? Their finding was no, they didn't. And so that, that's our mission. Now, I think each church has a general mission, and then I think there's a specific mission that applies to that church. And I will tell you right now, I'm not sure exactly what our specific mission is yet. But we're looking into this, and I should have something to report, I'm hoping, within the next several months. Um, because we're going to go through a process to kind of help us try to determine more specifically what that is. Um, so that's, that's from a mission standpoint. And then finally, core values. Fundamental beliefs of a person or an organization. Now these ought not to be a mystery because they're up on the wall that you, and you look at them every week. Now, I should say this, you see them every week. 
whether you know what they say or not is entirely another matter. But it's these six things. This really is sort of describes the core value of our church. It's the things we value. We value identity. Right? And if you've ever taken Sockham, or if you're taking it now, you understand this is something that gets talked about a lot. This is the most discussed subject of the curriculum, is this issue of identity. Because if you don't understand what your identity is in Christ, you can't really ever function and grow as a Christian. Because so many of us don't really get that yet. And it's not easy always to get, but it is, it's a very, very important. It's understanding that you are a beloved son or daughter. And it's about trying to understand that we need to replace, to seek to replace our will with his will. That was exactly what we talked about last week. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And also knowing that our Father always gives good gifts, right? Our mission, we've already sort of talked about that. It's, it's about making disciples, okay? And as, we've, uh, as we just discussed, one of the best ways to do that is to live a naturally supernatural lifestyle. What is that? Well, sort of vineyard speak in a way, but it's sort of a response to the fact that for years, Many people's impression or idea of what supernatural was, was weird. I mean, that was sort of their impression of it, that it looked weird, that you had to like, talk in an unnaturally loud voice and dance around, wave your hands, and do all this weird stuff. And when John Wimber came along, what he said was, no, just be yourself. The Holy Spirit is already in you. You don't have to somehow energize him by doing all this stuff, it, he's there. So just be natural and supernatural at the same time. So that's partly how we go about um, obeying the words of Jesus and doing the works of Jesus, by being naturally supernatural. Growth fairly straightforward. We grow when we study God's word, and we grow when we have relationships with other believers. Small groups is how we choose to do that. And that's really how we see uh, having the uh, means to grow in grace and to connect with one another. Diversity we've already talked about to some extent, but it is a core value of ours, as I said earlier. And so believe that all the churches, and specifically ours, should look like the, um, like the book of Revelation describes the uh, people that are around the throne of God, folks of every nation, tribe, people, and tongue, all praising God together. That's what we want to look like. Unity, this is critical. And this is hard. It's important, and, and a lot of times things that are important are hard. But this is the part that comes into play when <coughs> you have a disagreement with somebody in the church. Are you going to run? Or are you going to stay and work it out? And if you're following the core value of unity, it means you stay and work it out. 
too many people have issues, causes issues in the church, they don't deal with them, they run to another church where the same issue happens again. And it's just a cycle that repeats because no one wants to do the hard work of, you know, let's say Harvey has an issue with something I said. Well, he could leave. Or he could come to me and he could say, you know, I, I'd really like to talk to you about something you said. Could, could, could we talk? Sure. And maybe I'm able to explain myself to him and he's, it was a misunderstanding. Maybe I need to, you know, sometimes stuff comes out of my mouth that I wish I could take back. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure I was preaching a sermon, this is years ago, and I said that Jesus was caught in the act of adultery. <laughs> yeah, I did say that. <laughs> That's not what I meant to say. <laughs> I meant to say Jesus was with a woman who was caught in the act, but that's not what came out. And I didn't even realize it until someone told me later. So that would be one where probably several of you would come to me and go, can we talk about that? <laughs> that was new to me. I don't find that in scripture anywhere. I'd really like to find out just exactly where you got that. And it, all I could say was, you know, sometimes mouth and brain don't always sync up. Um, so anyway, the point is we need to... To, to hang together as a family. And, you know, families have disagreements. Families have issues. Families are stuck with one another, for the most part. And so, let's stick with each other. Let's not be stuck with each other, but let's stick with each other. And then finally, truth. Truth is, a, is really just a reference to the fact that the Word of God is our truth. And this is sort of harmony's scripture that we put with this and above all these put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony that's from colossians 3:14 and so truth needs to be a part of everything that we do and the truth is of course what god says with god's word so to sort of wrap this up what can if you're sitting there then maybe the question is what can i do right what can i do to help us achieve our vision and I think there's, there's two answers. There's a short-term answer and there's a long-term answer. The short-term answer is pray. Start today or tomorrow or whenever you sit and have your prayer time. And pray for the future of this church. Pray that this vision uh, comes to pass at some point down the road, not next week or next month or even next year. And also, renew your commitment, not only to God, but to this church as well. To so say, I, I want to help us get to achieve this vision, to be a church that is missed if it were to go away, or would be missed. So pray and recommit, and then long term, you have to stick around and stay tuned because we're going to talk about this in, in the rest of the series. So that answer is forthcoming. But for right now, let's focus on praying 
and just recommitting ourselves to doing uh, those things that need to be done that we're going to kind of go into more detail on um, in the weeks ahead. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, let's just be quiet for a moment as the worship team comes up. Actually, Christy, do you have that handy? This, go, this is so, uh, what word that she heard this morning I think was so appropriate uh, when she showed it to me. I asked her if she wouldn't mind uh, reading it to you all. When we were uh, doing the worship this morning um, up here with the rehearsal, um, God gave me a, started out with giving me a scripture. And it is Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30. And it says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. And as I was continuing to worship, um, a picture came. And it was a picture of a wooden cross with a red cross in the center of it. And then I kept, I kept worshiping and I'm thinking, what is this supposed to mean? And then he uh, very clearly told me, he said, I'm raising this church up to be a place of sanctuary, a place of safety and rest. I'm raising this church up to be a place of rescue and a place of healing. I'm raising this church up to be a place that helps rebuild lives, families, and marriages. The Red Cross symbolizes help and hope to people who are in bad situations. And I think that's what he's trying to tell us. This church is supposed to be that to our community and to each other. Doesn't that sound an awful lot like what I described? Um, about someone going to social services and being directed here. Let's pray. God, it is our heart's desire that when we have the chance to stand before you, to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. And Father, while we may be in that place in our own lives, we want to be in that same place as a church. We, would, we want to hear you say to us, to this church, well done, good and faithful servant. And right now, I don't think we would hear that.
And so, Father, you have given me this vision that I have now shared again with this body that we call Harmony Vineyard Church. And my prayer today is that each person that has heard this today will make a commitment to internalize the desire to see that vision come to pass. That each person will begin to look for one or more ways in which they can contribute to seeing that vision come to pass. That together, all of us can begin to reach for that goal. That we see new people coming in here. That we see people giving their lives to Jesus. That we see this place become that kind of a Red Cross Center like Christy just described. That we actually get to a point that social services sends people here. So Father, into that situation we pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Father God, for being a God of second and third and fourth and however many chances. Help us to simply put one foot in front of the other and then do it again and again and again. So that at the end of this year, we may look back and see how far we've come. So Father, stir this up in all of us. Give us a passion, Father, to see the kingdom come to those who are in such desperate need of it. And stir up in us a passion to be an instrument to actually bring the kingdom to that person. No more, someone else can do that. No more, well, that's not really my gifting. No more excuses, Father. So, Father God, just bless all of these, your people. We give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. Guide and direct our steps. Bless each one as they go forth from this place. We love you. We worship you and we thank you in all things. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You need prayer for something, for anything. Then there'll be some folks in the back that would be uh, more than happy to pray with you.
So I just pray that you have a wonderful week, and I hope you will come back to hear part two next week. God bless you.